Well, hey there. Welcome to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. I'm Andy, one of the pastors at Manchester Vineyard Community Church in Manchester's beautiful historic North End, and it is 2020. Can you believe we made it through 2019? It's a new year and a new decade, and that means taking some time to think about what is upcoming and what we would like to see God do this year. And that's what the following message is about. So many of us take some time to make resolutions this time of year, and many of us can't stand this time of year because we believe somewhere deep down we're setting ourselves up for failure. Well, whether you're a resolution maker or resolution hater, the possibility and potential signified by the onset of a new year is important to consider. So that's what this message is about. Thanks for listening, and when you're done, we'd love to hear from you. Take a moment to drop us a line about what you're looking forward to in 2020 at amen at manchestervineyard.com. Enjoy. I'm excited about this year. Really excited. Are you excited about this year? You excited about this year? Yeah, Rod's like, well, whatever. It's another year. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for what God is going to do in me, with me, and through me. Really excited. In me, with me, and through me. And and as a part of this body, I'm really excited about what he's going to do in us, with us, through us. We're going to take a lot of risks this year. How many, how many of you, when, you're, when you are about to take a risk, your heart rate quickens a little bit, right? Or a lot, depending on the nature of the risk and uh, what you're about to do or say. And uh, there's a lot of people who, who can't do what I'm doing right now. They get up in front of a group and uh, have to speak to that group, like two people, and they lose their mind, and all of that happens. And this isn't a big risk for me. This is in my wheelhouse. This is sort of what I was made to do. Um, I was made to use my voice to communicate, to talk. Uh, been told by umpteen numbers of people that uh, I missed my calling. I should have been in radio. I should have done that side of things. I get it. I come by it naturally. My dad has a voice that's about a half octave deeper than mine. And, uh, and man, when he goes on that microphone, you know that, you know that uh, movie voice, that movie guy voice? Like, in a world. In a world where? No, that guy. Nah. Well, Morgan's a different kind of voice, but, but that, that, that movie guy voice where it's like it's, uh, the movie is all about how everything is coming to an end, and so they choose that one guy, right? The same guy over and over again for like 35 years. He died a few years ago, but, um, but that's the kind of voice my dad has, and he is not shy. My dad is not a shy man. Um, he is willing to tell you what he thinks about just about anything, and... Um, uh, he'll do it in whatever language he feels most fits the situation. So I come by it very naturally, um, and uh, this is very comfortable for me. Um, I don't do well in the other kinds of situations where it's high intimacy, that kind of thing. Um, that's just not, that's what I have to work really hard at. This is easy, that's hard for me, um, and I've worked really hard at developing that side of myself over the years. And I'm really excited about what God has for every single one of you. What are you going to step into? What are you doing right now that's easy, right? We call it status quo, right? Just keeping it. Don't rock the boat too much. Just keep it steady. Stay the course. 
and, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll make it through unscathed. But here's the thing, that's not what you were designed for. That's not what you were designed for. The, the Bible's really clear about the reason why God made Christians, right? He made them for battle. He made them for excitement. He made them for journey. He made them for risk, okay? And so that's, that's what we're going to do a lot of in 2020. And today, what I want to do is I want to challenge you with two things. The first thing I want to challenge you with is a thought. The title of this sermon is Be Thou My Vision. We're all familiar with the old Irish hymn It was written in the 6th century in a language that no one can read anymore called Gaelic. And, uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful hymn, and it's even more beautiful when it's sung in Gaelic. If you can sort of go on YouTube and check that out, it's absolutely gorgeous. But this, this hymn was written to declare some kind of truth that as human beings, what we want is we want for God to be our vision. We want him to fill our entire sight line, everywhere we look, we want it to be filled by him. And I first want to challenge you on that note with two things. The first is a thought. And the second that I want to challenge you with is a question. I'm going to tell you what the thought is up front today. It's going to, uh, not going to make you wait for the, for the end or later on in the sermon, but um, the question is going to have to wait till later. Okay, so just Tuck that in your back pocket. There's a second, that second part is coming up later. The thought that I want to challenge you with, though, this morning is that God has a bigger vision for your life than you do. He has a bigger vision for your life than you do. Whatever you have experienced up until this point, and whatever you have thought about your life and what you are made for and what you are doing on this planet and what you are going to do for eternity... It's bigger than you can possibly imagine. The scriptures tell us that what God has in store for those who love him is far beyond what we could possibly imagine. All right? God has a bigger vision for your life than you do. And for some, this statement is sort of a no-brainer. They're used to thinking that thought. But for some, this is going to be a little bit more of a challenge to wrap your mind around. Does God really think of me in that way? Does God really think of my life in that kind of way where he would go, no, I have a desire and a design and a plan and a purpose, and it's far beyond what you've even imagined at this point in your life. The reason for for this uh, sort of uh, difference between people, no-brainer for some, and, and some, this is a little bit more challenges, because there's basically two kinds of people, and they come out every new year. We figure, we see them sort of bubble up and separate into categories every new year, and I'm using some generalities here, but basically the two kinds of people that we have in the world that come out every new year that show their, their stripes are the, the realists and the dreamers. We have realists and dreamers, and uh, uh, to demonstrate this, I want to I take a quick show of hands. How many of you today right, enjoy making New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. A few of you. You enjoy making New Year's resolutions. The rest of you do not enjoy making New Year's resolutions. In fact, you may make a resolution not to make resolutions. That's how much you enjoy making resolutions. I resolve not to resolve to do anything. Um, but... That's, that's, 
that's how this sort of works. The people that enjoy making resolutions and they think about what they did last year and where they fell short and where they could improve and they, they align things and they go, no, this year I'm really going to go for that and I'm going to go for that and I'm going to go for that and I'm going to write it down and I'm going to put it in my journal and I'm going to send it to a friend for accountability and all this kind of stuff, right? Those are the dreamers and the realists are the people who are like, it's just another day. It's January 1st. It's going to happen again next year. Right? They're just like, hey, I got to go to work tomorrow. I gotta, still got to put my pants on. I got to earn the bacon. That's what I got to do. They are the, what I call the realists. And uh, if the rest of you, um, I'm sorry, there, there's an interesting thing that happens with dreamers and realists. Do you know what happens with dreamers and realists? They get married. You win. You win. They often marry each other. <laughs> and that creates an interesting dynamic in the relationship, does it not, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. My wife knows what I'm talking about. Um, how, let's see. How, uh, which is Jessica, the dreamer or the realist? She's the realist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She describes me this way. Uh, the day that I was uh, ordained uh, as a pastor a couple years ago, my, my wife was very emotional she got up, and I, I handed her the microphone, and she was not thankful for that. But she, she does well with the microphone, doesn't she? She does pretty well. She just puts herself down. But she grabs the mic, and she goes, uh, well, um, I'm the kind of person who likes to have all of my ducks in a row. And God gave me a squirrel. <laughs> not even a duck. <laughs> totally different different animal. That's what she said. That's, that's who we are. We married each other, and uh, we actually need each other. They get, we get married, and it creates this dynamic in almost every marriage. There's a person who thinks about what isn't, and they think about what could be. And then there's a person who thinks about what isn't, and then they think about what is, right? So the difference between the two is not the starting point. It's the Ending point between the two of them. The dreamer thinks about what is not, and the, and the uh, realist thinks about what is. And dreamers say things like, this is going to be my year. Right? What did I open up with? I'm so excited for what God is going to do. Right? That's the language of a dreamer. Um, we're always thinking about what's going to be, even if it doesn't exist yet. And half of the people in the room are like, this guy's full of nonsense. Uh, when he says things like that, but the dreamer says, we're going to accomplish so much, it's going to be so great, and the realist responds by saying, you said that last year. <laughs> Don't you remember? 365 days ago. It's not that long. You said that last year, and, uh, uh, and the dreamers say, they, they have this word that they love. Dreamers love the word, wow, and realists love the word, how, Right? <laughs> So dreamers love to talk about all of the things that we're going to do and accomplish. And the realist says, I'm looking at the checkbook, looking at the time, looking at the schedule, looking at the resources, and I don't quite see how this is going to fit into that. And uh, dreamers, realists, we look at the new year differently. There's nothing right or wrong about it, right? There's no... There's no 
There's no competition here. My wife needs me, and I need my wife. And uh, we're going to get to the, the challenging question, but in order to get there, I have to bring us all together and to, to, show, to try and give you a particular lens of how I think that we should view the new year. And um, whether you're a dreamer or whether you're a realist, I believe that what we should do is we should view the new year through the lens of possibility. Through the lens of possibility, all right? In fact, we should view every single day of our lives through the lens of possibility. The scripture is very clear. God takes our yesterdays, right? He makes everything new every morning. He makes it new. His mercies are new every morning, right? Every single morning, his mercies are brand new. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about possibility today. And I want to talk to the um, both dreamers and realists here, bring you through Realists, let me talk to you for a second about why it's important for you to view uh, the new year through the lens of possibility. What we, what, what we dreamers sort of need is we need a solid anchor right, in our lives, and you provide that. When we are talking about things that, that seem to you to be impossible, we appreciate the feedback, right? the pushback that you give. But what realists have to do and why the lens of possibility is, in, is important for them is that they, they, have to, they have to walk a very fine line between being realistic and being pessimistic. Realistic and pessimistic. It's, it's very important that a realist doesn't turn into a pessimist. Have you met someone like this? You've met someone like this who, who they, they're really good actually at at analyzing all of the facts. But the problem is the answer that they arrive at is always, it can't be done. They always arrive at no. And that's a problem because kingdom people, get a little bit ahead of myself here, I guess, maybe, but kingdom people, if we're going to be kingdom people, we believe in a God of yes. We believe in a God who sends Gabriel to talk to, I'm going to get ahead of myself. So it's, it's okay to be real, right? It's okay to ask questions. How are you going to do that? How are you going to pay for that? Where are they going to park? Right? We had to ask questions about this building before we moved in. Right? We had to go through a process of adjudicating whether or not this was the right space for us, and not every I was dotted in that process, people. Not every T could be crossed, there is no perfect building for any church out there unless they design it to their own specifications and have oodles of money to do that, right? So we got this place actually for a really good price, and it meets our needs and in many ways exceeds them. Some needs it doesn't quite meet entirely. But we had to be open to the possibility that this would be the place for us, so we had to do that. Now, I'm going to talk to the, the dreamers in the room. Dreamers like to talk a good game, right? Dreamers like to talk about all of the things, right? All of the things we're going to do, all of the things that could be. Ooh, ooh, isn't it so exciting? But the problem with dreamers, where they can have a tendency to go, is they can go into a place of illusion, where nothing ever materializes. It's all talk. You know people like this, don't you? In fact, 
One of my friends told me one time, this I took great offense at this, he said, you're really not a doer, you're a dreamer. And uh, I took great offense at this because I was just like, hey, I hang drywall for a living. I do, all right? My hands, right? They show what I do. But his point was that I'm wired like a dreamer. I talk like a dreamer. And the problem for dreamers is that we can border on everything being vaporous, right? Just sort of, we were excited about this yesterday, but today's a different day. And so we saw a new shiny object, right? And we just go after that like the squirrel, and we just run after it, and everything sort of gets left in this place of illusion and, uh, and in the imagination. So dreamers, they have to help the realists in their lives sort of figure out, okay, dreamers, you gotta, you got to pull them along by going, I have maybe like three steps to a plan that I think could work to make the thing happen. Can you help me figure the rest of it out? All right? That's a good help for a realist. And a realist has to come along with someone and say, hey, I think that's a great idea. Why don't we put our heads together and figure out if it's doable, right? Exploring the possibility together. And uh, the realist needs the dreamer. The dreamer needs the realist. I think of these two passages from Scripture that demonstrate the tension that we need to embrace as kingdom people. The first is this, that nothing shall be impossible with God. That's like the dreamer's like coffee mug verse, right? Every dreamer has a coffee mug, and they've got nothing shall be impossible with God on that coffee mug. And of course, we just celebrated Christmas. Anyone recognize this, this passage of Scripture? Luke chapter 1. Gabriel shows up, you're going to have a son. What? That's impossible, right? She says, that's impossible. Gabriel says, not for God. For men, totally impossible. Can't do it. But for God, nothing is impossible. And so she starts out with that sort of realist pushback question, and then she says, may it be done unto me according to your word, I am the Lord's handmaiden. Believed him. Believed him. If the angel says it's possible, I believe that guy. Now, there's another scripture that this makes me think of for the realist. It's their sort of life verse. It has to do with counting the cost. Counting the cost. Jesus, this is actually in the same gospel that Gabriel says nothing is impossible. Jesus comes back and says, listen, no guy decides to go to war without making sure that he can finish the fight he started. No one decides to build a house without first making sure he's got all the materials accounted for. Accounting. That's counting the cost, right? That's, so this is, this is like the, this is like the, the realist bi- coffee mug Bible verse. It should just say count the cost right on it, right? They're always concerned with what's real and what it's going to cost. That's in Luke chapter 14. But if we're going to see this new year through the lens of possibility, I think that a good way to think about this is how you would think about a newborn baby. Think about a newborn baby. Anyone ever see Rudolph's shiny new year? You see that movie? That claymation, that old stop animation movie? It was made like a few years after Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the original. It was Rudolph's shiny new year. And the shiny new year came in as a newborn baby. It was a little baby. And Rudolph had to get him to father time and all of this adventure, right? But it was a baby, and it's a good way to think about the new year. What do we think when we see a baby or when we see our own baby on the ultrasound, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the medical office? We, we, I'll tell you what we don't think. 
We don't think too bad. There's so many things they're never going to be able to do. They're never going to get the chance. Probably will never play basketball beyond high school. They won't get to play professional golf and make the money. They're not going to be an astronaut. They'll be lucky if they get a, a job working at a chemical plant, putting pills in a bottle on an assembly line. No, nobody thinks this way, right? You see a baby, and you go, oh, and immediately your brain goes to what? Possibility. Possibility. That's new life, and it is full of possibility. In fact, it's so full of possibility, you, you don't even think of limitations when you look at a baby. You don't think that way at all. It never enters your mind to, to think about it that way. Listen, Michael Jordan, possibly the greatest basketball player of all time, right? At least he's got to make your top five. He's got to, okay? Even if you're a Bird fan, all right? I've read the statistics, right? They're, they're pretty different. I'll just say that. But anyway, he did not make his high school varsity basketball team the first time he tried out. He was a sophomore. He was five foot ten, all right? And he was a mediocre ball player, all right? But this is Michael Jordan. Let me just list this for you. He scored 32,292 points in his professional basketball career. 32,292 points in his professional basketball career. He earned six NBA championships. Six. Six. He was named MVP of the NBA five times and made 14 All-Star Game appearances. But he didn't make his high school varsity basketball team the first time. He was 5'10", and he was mediocre at best. He got sent home, he locked himself in his room, and he cried. Then the next day, he got up, and he purposed in his heart. Now, he didn't know he would be six foot something or other. He had no idea how tall he would be. He had no facts around that. He didn't know if he would actually get better. He didn't know that he would go on to become Michael Jordan, right? Like Mike, I want to be like Mike. That was the mantra back in the early 90s. But that's what he did. He took, he took the real, right? He took the real. I got cut from my high school basketball team. That's real. And what he did was he did this crazy, you know, mental, emotional judo move, and he flipped the thing around and used it as energy for his dream, for his belief that he was going to be a great basketball player. I don't know if he wanted to go to college. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure his parents were like, hey, listen, so maybe it's not going to work out. Somebody in his life was probably like, hey, don't you think you should put this dream on the shelf? I mean, like, you're 5'10", man. You know, usually guys are showing that they're going to be tall by this time. Right? Levi is really tall. Since he was born, he was in the 90th percentile, and he's never had a time where he's gone up in a spike. He's just gone... Levi's going to be 6'5 or 6'6. That's what the doctor says. I don't know that for certain, but he's tracking there. Jordan wasn't. He was small. He was undersized. You know what, Steph, they said this about Stephen Curry, too. Everyone familiar with Stephen Curry? Right, basketball player, Golden State Warriors, am I right? They said he was undersized, poor defense, can't shoot, is slow, not athletic. That's what the NBA scouts said about this kid. That's what they said about him. Then he gets into college, I'm sorry, the college scout said about him, he gets into college and he tears everything up because he looked at the possibility. He considered the possibility. 
If Jordan had listened to those around him, our world would be different, would it not? I mean, he's had that kind of impact playing a game. Imagine what kind of impact your life can have if you apply what Jordan did to your life in relation to the kingdom of God. There's no limit. There's no limit. See, what most people do is they own property in a country called reality. I own property in reality, and occasionally I go visit or maybe lease a space in possibility. And what we have to do as kingdom people is we have to flip that around. We should own land in possibility and only you know, lease space or visit reality. It doesn't mean we ignore reality, but reality gets turned into something that we utilize to fuel the dreams of the possible, the, 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 the potential of the possible. It makes, it makes the possible real when you use real things to pursue the possible. That's what we should do as kingdom people. And of course, the Bible is filled with stories like this, okay? If you don't believe me, okay, just read the story of Gideon. I'm just a guy, and I'm working on my farm, and uh, I'm of the least house of Israel. I'm the least family in the least house of Israel, and my shoulders are all slumped over, and I'm just mushing away in my mill, just crushing grain. That's the limitation of my life. And what does the angel do? He speaks to him out of the realm of the possible. He doesn't speak to him out of the realm of reality. You know, He speaks to him out of the realm of what is real to God about Gideon. Same thing happens with Nehemiah, Noah, Moses. The entire book of Acts screams at us to reconsider what is possible. Screams at us. There's a very famous quote by a very brilliant man named Henry Ford, and it goes like this. Oh, it's not there. I messed it up. Dang it. I hate it when I do that. Anyway, he said this. He said, whether you believe you can't or whether you believe you can, you're right. You're right. Whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Henry Ford changed the world. He didn't change the world with the invention of the automobile. He changed the world with the method by which automobiles were put together. That's how he changed the world and had a more massive impact on the world than the automobile did. And here's the question. This is the question. I jumped the gun. I went to the slide too early. This is the question you need to be challenged with every single one of us. What does God think is possible for me in the new year? That's the question. What does God think? Not what do you think? Self-help books will say, what do you want? What do you think? Right? And those are good questions. That's fine. They're fine on their face. But the most important question, the question that should be underneath the questions is, what does God think is possible for me in the new year. The Bible says that without vision, people perish, and this, ver this verse has been so overused and misused over the years, but here's the thing. When this verse was written in those days, if you were blind, your life was not going to go well. It wasn't gonna go well. Blindness was a severe limitation in those days. It placed a person constantly in grave danger. 
Okay? They didn't have mobility canes. They didn't have seeing eye dogs. They didn't have braille or audio books. They had nothing. You were stuck, right? You're stuck. Most of the time, blind people became what? Beggars. They can't do work. They can't do work because they can't lift a rock because they might drop it on someone's face, right? They can't see. That's a prerequisite for like building stuff. But today, it's different. Jesus comes along to a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, and suddenly the realm of the possible comes flooding into his perspective. Flooding in. And all of a sudden, the possible becomes very, very focused as he sees for the first time through new eyes. And all this happens in a moment. All kinds of new potential becomes real and his perspective is entirely shifted and he enters into a new paradigm of living. Lots of P words. Very easy to make work with one another. P words for some reason, who knows. We need our vision expanded. Without vision, the people perish. We need our vision expanded in order to expand our sense of what is possible. Because possibility fuels potential, and potential changes our perspective, and our perspective enables the new paradigm. Imagine you've got a lamp. You've got a lamp in a room. It's very dark. The lamp is on a table in a room, and it's set to low. Imagine like an oil lamp, okay? This is the lamp that always comes into my head when Jesus is talking about the lampstand, right? The lamp on the lampstand. No one puts a lamp on a lampstand in order to cover it with a basket or something, right? This is the, what I, I picture one of those little old, what are they, hurricane lamps? You know, with the glass on the top and their oil. I don't think of their actual lamp in the Middle East, which would have been like a little, it looks like a little Aladdin lamp that you rub. That's what their lamps look like. But the lamp is in the middle of the room. It's set to low. What do you, what do you think? It's in the middle of the night. What, what can you see? You can see the tabletop. And you might be able to see like the outline of a chair near, near the table. But after that, it becomes really murky, you know, out from that. I'm imagining a room of maybe 10 feet, 15 tops. The houses were very small. But what happens is when you turn the light up, your vision expands. You can see other things in the room that you didn't notice before. As the light increases, more of the room is revealed. Your vision is expanded, and you can see, hey, there's a pantry there. There's a, there's a hutch over there. There's an oven over here. Now the potential for what is going on in this situation, in this space, changes, doesn't it? Before it was just a tabletop. Okay, I could sit at a table. I guess there's a chair there. Okay, looks sturdy enough. I'll sit. But when you turn the light up, turn the light up, people, and all of a sudden, The rest of the room becomes clearer, and you can do more with that room. You can invite someone over for dinner, right? You can make yourself a sandwich. Well, not back in those days. They didn't have ice boxes, but you know what I mean. You're in a kitchen. You can do so. There's utility here. Look, I found a knife. I can cut something, right? You can do things now that you could not do before. Your perspective changes. The potential changes. Everything completely changes as you turn the light up and expand your vision. The hymn says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Don't be anything else to me other than what you are. That's the translation of that. 
phrase. Thou my best thought day and night, waking or sleeping, your presence, my light. We need more light, not less. And here's the thing, when God is your vision, when God's vision is your vision, when your vision aligns with his, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You've heard the stories. We read the scriptures. You believe them or not? You believe them or not? Did that happen? Did the power of God get transferred through the Holy Spirit to God's people? The church? Did that happen? I believe it did. What I need to do every day is ask how I am limiting my own vision. How I am limiting myself. What blinders, you know those little blinders the horses wear when they're pulling a carriage, right? Because if they don't have them, they won't know where to focus. Well, that is a little metaphor for what the enemy does with us. We allow our thoughts, our patterns of living and so forth, our sin, to be blinders so that we are just focused in on this one little tiny spot right where the enemy wants us looking. What God wants us to do is to let him remove those things so that we can expand and see what else is there. It's possible God would want us to move in a different direction. Amen? God is not restrained. He's, he's not limited by what we're limited by. He's not dependent on anything or anyone. He is totally free to make all things possible. So here's where we can start this year. Here's where we can start the year off. We can start by asking God, where do you want me to expand my vision this year? Or maybe better said, where do you, God, want to expand my vision this year? In what way? In what area of my life? In what paradigm? How? How do you want me to be paying attention to you in such a way that my vision grows for what you have for me? Another question, what do you want to change in me to see your plans and purposes fulfilled in my life? It's not just about seeing what the possibilities are. It's about allowing God to come in and make you over differently so that you can be ready for those possibilities. Third question, where is my vision of what is where is my vision of what's possible limiting the potential of your purposes? Where are the blinders? So think about this. What, what is the great challenge of your life right now? Maybe the challenge of your life right now is you don't have any challenges. Something to think about. You're welcome. Maybe you need some challenges in your life. Maybe you need to get your hands a little dirty. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your child or children. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's, yeah, it's all of that and a bag of chips, Andy. Right? Check all of the boxes and add six more because that's my life. Right? Maybe that's where you're at. A good practice would be to say, okay, God, what's first? I got all of this overwhelm. What's the thing that's going to help everything else to climb an inch or two higher 
toward your purpose. Where do you want to start, God? This is the thing. Don't leave today without getting prayed for if you've got areas of challenge in your life that you're trying to press through, especially areas that are chronic. All right? Because I guarantee you that the only constant in all of that, in all of that chronic challenge, is you. You're welcome. The only constant in all of that, besides God, right? But he's just sitting there going, I wish you'd talk to me. I wish you'd lay that down. I wish you'd allow me to pick that up for you. I wish you'd trust me with that. If you'd trust me with that, then I... Where's that place of challenge for you? Don't leave today without receiving from the Holy Spirit, allowing someone to stand with you, praying that your vision would be expanded so that it would become aligned with his vision for your life. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God wants to make your life perfect. Your life will be perfect one day, but that's in heaven, right? Glory is coming. It is coming. For many people, they gave their lives over to Jesus and they paid with their lives, right? Don't impose your plan on what you think God wants for you on God's plan. Because I guarantee you, you'll never be satisfied if you do that. You'll never be fulfilled. You might live a good life in terms of money, finances, and comfort, but then at the end you'll be going, oh, what did I do? Oh, no. What did I teach my kids? Oh, no. I missed it. I don't want you to miss it. God's not out here for your comfort and your necessarily your finances and your pleasure. He isn't necessarily out here for those purposes. But he is here for your fulfillment in him. Your fulfillment in him. You becoming so satisfied with who God is and what he wants from your life, with your life, in your life, through your life, that everything else just sort of fades away and he becomes your vision. Don't leave today without getting prayer for that. I would love to pray for you. There are others here who would be happy to pray for you. Lesson die, Gary and Amy, Ben, Lindsay, Rod, Dorothy, lots of people in the room who would love to pray with you and stand with you in faith for the challenges that you're facing in your life. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in God's love. Amen? Let's stand then. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to gather under the presence of your Spirit. And God, we need more of you in our lives. That is for sure. This country needs more of you. This church needs more of you. These lives need more of you. So we ask. We know that when we ask for something from you, Lord God, you're not going to give us something bad. If we ask for bread, you won't give us a snake or a stone. 
And so we come to you this morning, Lord, surrendering to your will for us in 2020. Personally, individually, family by family, would you help us to lay down all of the weight and sin that so easily ensnares and to walk in freedom in the goodness of your love. May your love empower us for what you have in front of us to do as a church, as families, as one big family of faith. Help us to impact these families around us, these households, these people, these children, these parents. Help us to be full of faith, to take risk, to trust you on the waters. Clear our vision, expand it, grow it, change it, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. When you're ready, please feel free to come forward and receive communion this morning. Don't forget your children in Sunday school. And don't leave today, like I said, without prayer, someone laying their hands on you, coming beside you, and asking for God's best in your life. God bless you all. Take care. Hey there, Pastor Andy again, and I want to thank you for checking in with Manchester Vineyard by listening to this message today. We hope and pray that it has been a blessing to you and that it has served to point you in the direction of following Jesus wherever he may lead you in 2020. As always, if you would like to reach out to us, feel free to drop us a line at contact at manchestervineyard.com. And if you'd like to tell us about what you believe God is doing in your life in 2020, email us at amen at manchestervineyard.com. We hope to see you on an upcoming Sunday to give us an opportunity to serve you and your family. God bless you.